All right, give me your worst story. What is the craziest story you have from dating? We're sitting on the couch, and he'd been drinking beer, bottles of beer or whatever, had an empty bottle on the couch. He started peeling his toenails and putting them in the beer bottle (laughs) that was empty. Oh, my God, what? Not kidding. And I just was looking at him like, too soon. Actually, (laughs) too soon ever. Never. How about never? How about we never? So I went to the bathroom and I got him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Pause. Okay, so he's sitting on your couch. Correct. With one or both of his hands, he pulls his foot in and then just starts. Peeling his toenail. Man, this is so nasty. Puts it in a beer bottle. First, his feet are on my coffee table. Which When was the last time you put your toenails in a beer bottle? I don't. I get pedicures. I don't even trim my own fucking toenails, man. (laughs) I can tell you, I've never put any nails in a beer in a bottle. Beer bo- yeah, I don't know. I don't think I've ever put anything in a beer bottle ever. Maybe like a maybe like a, a gum wrapper or something. Sure. Or gum bar. itself or something. Yeah. This yeah. is disgusting. Correct. Why yeah. are are you I mean, saying that men are sometimes disgusting? Yep. I'm saying probably everyone is. I mean, <laughs> well, I'm not I can gonna... tell you a lot of disgusting girl stories. That's anyway, what I'm saying. Okay, I'm, so, I'm assuming it's not just men. So he does this with his toenail. Mm-hmm. And then you go what? And so then it starts to get late. I hand him a, I go in the bathroom and I'm shaking my head and trying not to vomit. And I hand him a uh, toenail clipper. I said, if I give this to you, will you stop doing what you're doing <laughs> and go in the bathroom, uh-huh. please? Yeah. He's like, oh no, I'm done now. Okay. I bet. Thank you. Yeah. I'm already traumatized. So at that point. <laughs> he was done. He I, got all 10 into the bottle. Yeah. He got him apparently. He Hang was, 10. He was quick. Yeah. So I take the bottle, throw it away, because I'm so disgusted by looking at it. And uh, then it was getting late, and he was high, so he asked if he could stay in my house. Obviously, I was not going to have sex with him again, because now he has completely turned me off. Yeah. So... That was like a death penalty offense. Yes. Yes, it was. (laughs) Yes, it was. Absolutely. A death penalty. Yeah. You're dead now. So we were in my room and he ends up, I went to sleep. He fell asleep on the couch, fine by me. So I was in my room and trying to go to sleep thinking, I can't believe this just happened to me. I'm disgusted. And he came in there and he's like, do you care about you sleep in that bed? And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. So he gets into the bed, passes out. Is he naked? No. Oh. Thank God. That would have been uh-huh. worse. Than I mean, you didn't mind before. I don't want you your having... balls in my in my bed now because you've been... <laughs> Now I know you're disgusting pigs. No, you can't sleep in my bed anymore. Yeah. Without clothes on. So he left clothes on, or at least boxers or something, and then started farting <laughs> in his sleep. Do men fart? In their, I don't care if they do, but they don't need to do it in my bed. Were you awake or did it wake him. you up? I was awake still because he was high, so he passed out. Oh. So I'm just laying there what next to this guy. What are you doing, like reading? I was watching TV. I was watching. Yeah. Oddly enough, you'll find this funny. I was watching the movie Trainwreck on television. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. Sure. And boy, did I feel a connection to that story. Yeah, sure. At the moment. Yeah, right. So he got up. Um, date with a train wreck. Yeah. So I just fell asleep. Went to you know eventually and just barely slept. But I got up at about 6 a.m. Woke him up and said, "Hey, I gotta go to the gym. Time for you to go." So uh-huh. he left, and that was it. I never talked to yeah. him again. Okay. It was just All right. So my turn. Nice. All right. You talked about farting. So I'm going to tell you a story that you are going to barely believe because it involves a woman farting. But I was dating this woman, and she was just like this fart machine, you know. Like, normally women are like, I didn't, I don't even fart. I don't even, it's impossible. I was born with a natural immunity against farting, you know. That's how women normally are. This girl was constantly like, oh, I farted. Oh, I farted again. Oh, I farted again. <laughs> she just, she Do you like, have to announce it? I she, mean. And the thing is, it wasn't. I could never smell it. I never hear it. So at some point, I thought, oh, maybe she's doing like that movie, 10 Things to oh, Get Rid of a Guy. Yes. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, oh, she's just lying because she's trying to get me to break she's up with her. She's testing you to see. I if mean, I was obviously boundary testing for sure because... I don't know if you know this, but women love to test boundaries with stupid bullshit. No way. <laughs> I mean, maybe men do too, but, you know, women definitely do. So that was pretty gross. I don't think I've ever had... Oh, also... How the... long did you date this girl? I don't even want to say. Too long. And then the other thing is... So obviously it didn't bother you that much then. Oh, it very much bothered me. But what bothered me more was her house was so filthy. 
Her bathroom was so disgusting. It was a plastic, what do you call the plastic lining on a floor called? What's it called? Like linoleum. The linoleum, yeah. So she had this linoleum and it was just covered in like old pee stains and stuff. So I went and I got... From her? I don't... Who who cares? (laughs) So I was like... You know, so I went and I got all these cleaning. I was like, if I'm going to have to be here, I'm cleaning this. You know, because I've got like some of my... My grandma was a um, nurse. Mm-hmm. So I've got a little bit of a nurse complex in me. So sometimes I do things that I shouldn't for people, you know, like I, I let them... Alcohol. Like this is why I'm in therapy partly, is so I can get rid of some of my problems like this. You know, my therapist is always like... My therapists are always like, you're a people pleaser, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Are you? A people pleaser? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. The first time I did mushrooms, um, we don't have to go down mushroom lane, but the first time I did mushrooms, everybody was all, you know, I've always heard people go like, oh, when you do mushrooms or acid or something, and I've never done acid, but everybody's always like, oh, when you do mushrooms, you lose your ego, and you're like, oh, I should stop thinking about myself and all this. I was on mushrooms going, oh, I need to be more selfish, which is like what my therapists have told me over the years, just to be more selfish. So that was uh, so that's why I hung out with Fart Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fart Girl. I, well, I never great... hung out with toenails again. So. <laughs> we should get them together. They, they be would be perfect. toenails and Fart Girl. His place was disgusting. It was like a, there were there was garbage everywhere. There was like empty pizza boxes and newspapers and old mail just laying around everywhere. There was ni- like you di- this shit has to be at least six months old. Why are you leaving uh-huh. it on the ground? Are yeah. you serious right now? Mm-hmm. So. And same with his bathroom, like that whole, the the toilet has like a brown layer around it. Ugh. It's just water. It's hard water, but yeah. it's hard. Oh, right. Because in Vegas, we have this hard water. Terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was so bad yeah. that the whole inside of the toilet was brown. Uh-huh. And he'd obviously not cleaned it for a year, Let maybe? me tell you the thing about... Women, I have a test when I go to a woman's house, whether I'm dating her or not. You passed. So what you do is you raise the the you raise the toilet seat, and if it's gross, they've clean they clean the top, but they don't take they don't clean the bottom. That means that they don't clean things underneath things. So they're more concerned about the way things look. Exactly. Than actually being a clean person. They're about facade. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, it's a really good. That's the toilet test. All right. Give me another story. What's another bad story? I'm trying to think of some more bad stories. I'll tell you this. While you're thinking about one, I'll tell you. So this year I've dated 33 people. And one of those people I thought I might turn into like a significant other. But I lost out because that person got um, whisked away by somebody else that took her to football games and fancy restaurants and then meanwhile she was like I can't believe the sex is so good I've never had sex like this and I was like yeah I hear this all the time and then she's like you really care about me and I went yeah yeah, why wouldn't I so she liked me as a she liked me as my she liked my character she liked my personality she was into me she liked everything but I lost out to someone who took her to stuff my fancy shit well, and I was like, "Ugh, this again." <laughs> but here's the thing: so women value, uh, like, oh, here we security. go with the word value. <laughs> yeah. Security, and by that I mean, like, courtship and security in terms of, uh-huh. can is this person capable of like taking care of me if I ever lose my job? As opposed to the value of emotional, emotional security, correct, mm-hmm. or sexual security, or sanity. Like, I do this thing all the time where I'm like, okay, I want to be the healthiest person in six ways. Physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually, spiritually, slash intellectually, and socially. So I'm all those things all the time as much as possible. But I'm not rich. <laughs> but I lost out to some douche nozzle who's taken some... But you don't have to, to necessarily be rich. Some people just like to have people take them on dates. Like actual dates out. I'm glad you brought that up. I've been watching Love Boat lately, because it's on YouTube now. And I'll put it on the background like when I'm brushing my teeth or something, or while I'm working. And occasionally, I'll, like, I'll have it on mute or low, and I'll look up and go, oh, that couple hasn't fallen in love yet. You know, that'll happen in Act 3. And the nice thing about having Love Boat on sometimes, and 
I've been wa- re-watching this movie. You and I both love uh, Sabrina, mm-hmm. the 90s version, with or 80s version? Whichever 90s. one that has mm-hmm. Harrison and Ford in it and hot-ass Julia Ormond. The nice thing about watching these old things is they're all about romance, and they've been reminding me how bad I've gotten at romance. Like, I used to be really good at, like, flowers and poetry and all the stuff that women don't respect you for. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but yeah. Because they're like, oh, you like me? Oh, well, I can't be with you. Gee, are you going to be cruel to me? Oh, well, then I'm going to be for, with you forever. No, that is not true. <laughs> That's the women you have chosen. I've had this talk with a lot of guys over the years, and we go, I'll go like, we we agree that a lot of women, a lot of women, not all women, I'm not all women person, a lot of women that my friends and I have dealt with, I go, the better you treat women, the worse they treat you. The worse you treat them, the better you treat they treat you. And I never treat anybody purposely bad. No, of I'm just saying like I've lost out to people that treat the women worse than I do. Here's you have to understand though that we are programmed, women are programmed to to want a man to court us. We are programmed to that. Uh-huh. And whoever we are... Yeah, you're good. Um, sometimes that means different things. Obviously, in that woman's case, she valued someone that would take her out and, and court her the way that is fairly traditional, which is to say, we go places together, I buy you dinner, I take you here, I take you there. And your idea of courtship is different. Your idea of courtship is more emotional. And most yeah. women's is not. I mean, I'll t- look, I go out of town on trips. I dated somebody this year, fantastic girl. We're still friends. And when we were, when we first met, she goes, do you have enough money to go on vacation? I go, yeah. She goes, how much? I go, I mean, I could go on a vacation every year, twice a year, to like New York or someplace. And she goes, oh, well, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Can we go to restaurants? Yes. I can afford restaurants. And then that, it's not like I'm taking people to Burger King. You That's know? not it. It's more like when people ask that question, because a lot of women, Which question? Do you have enough money to do uh-huh. That what they're asking is whether or not they can maintain their lifestyle and you can come along. More so than, can you buy this for me these days? Oh, I see. Because women over the last what, 20 years maybe, have become more successful professionally than they have ever been before Yeah. in this country, more in this autonomous. world, yeah. and more independent and all of that. And frankly, that's a question that I would probably ask people only because it's not that I want you to pay for me, it's that I want you to be able to keep up because I don't expect you to take me on lavish vacations, especially if you're not a wealthy person. You don't have to pay for everything for me. You don't have to pay for anything, but you better not make it so that I have to pay for you if I want to live in the lifestyle that I have become accustomed to living in. Mm. So that's where the money question comes into play, which is how much money do you need in order to date somebody? And the answer is as much as it takes for you to actually keep up with that person, and it doesn't matter who you are or or who they are, if they are a person Mm -hmm. who goes on vacation twice a year, and it goes to a nice place and doesn't get Burger King and goes to a decent restaurant when they're there and doesn't worry about money when they're there and just kind of wants to do what they want to do when they're on vacation. As long as you can keep up with that, you are fine. If you met the perfect person and they didn't have enough money, you would just drop them. I wouldn't drop them, but I'm not paying for them. I've worked hard enough to build up my own self. (laughs) You know what's hilarious about this to me is that for in the old days, you know, a lot of women didn't make much money because women didn't earn as much because no, and the they, world a lot of them is didn't work. inequality. And then a lot of women didn't work. And so men would go like, you know, I'm constantly doing stuff to put food on the table whenever. And then women would just discount this. And I'm not coming. I'm a feminist. I believe in equality and all that. So I'm not coming from a point of attacking women at all, as you know. You know me. What I'm saying is... There was this moment in the past, decades ago, where men were like, I'm providing, you don't provide. And then women are like, blah, blah, blah. And then now women are like, I've got money and I'm willing to throw away love, emotional support, uh, all this other shit because you just don't have enough money. No. Here's why. That's what it seems like. Seems like I'm not saying that's how it is. No. What I'm saying is there's this perception 
That's how I feel sometimes. Well, here's 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 why, and from just coming from my own personal experience. Yeah. I've had to deal with a tremendous amount of shit to get to where I am financially, professionally, in my life. A, uh-huh. a lot. I have been sexually harassed by every single boss I've ever had with the exception of one. I have made less money than my male counterparts my whole life. I've had to fight, claw, and beg sometimes in order to get what I have. And I'm not going to support somebody else who is an adult like me. Like if we started out at the same place, both of us 22 years old when we met. Yeah. Both of us on the same track. One yeah. of us makes more than the other. I don't care. Yeah. But I've worked really, really hard to get to where I am now. Yeah. And I have never been given anything. I have had to fight for every single fucking dollar, uh-huh. promotion, job, everything that I've ever had. Yeah. So I am not going to financially provide for a man who should be where I am, if not better off. At my age. Yeah. Now, if I was 30, would it matter as much? No. But I'm not 30. So now it matters. Because security, when I'm old, matters to me now. Security, financial security, when I'm old, is important to me now. Because I'm older. I'm getting to the age where I will retire at some point. Yeah. And I'm not going to take what I have built and then have to share it with someone who didn't work as hard as I did. Uh-huh. Hey. Not all women feel the same way. Yeah. You know, if they haven't, you know, there are, I'm sure that are, there are plenty of women who are not me who would not care. Like women that are my age, maybe they're in different kinds of careers. Uh, I mean, you there know. are not many women that don't care about safety and security financially. Not very many. I mean, I would say like single digits, single digits, you know. Right. And now I actually have heard stories from men that are starting to do that. Because in the old days, men would be like, I don't care, you could work at McDonald's, and I don't care, I love you. And now, there are a lot more men that are going like, well, if women are going to play the money game, then I am too. Well, and frankly, like... And now there's this war. There's a gender war going on, and it's fucking bananas. It is bananas. But here's the thing about that, too, is that I don't blame them. I don't think that it's a a one-way street here. Yeah. That men shouldn't have to... And this is why when I have when I used to be on dating apps, I would not really prefer to go to a nice dinner the first time we met. Yeah. Because I don't want to, I don't want you to think that's my expectation. Number one. Uh-huh. And number two, I'm sure that you have spent an inordinate amount of money going on multiple dates with multiple women, and I don't expect that from you. Let's have coffee or happy hour somewhere. Like we don't need to spend a bunch of money. We don't even know each other yet. Yeah. So if we want to go have a date and we go to I don't care PTs for five dollar beers on thursday i don't care we can do that i don't mind doing that at all especially as a first date because it's a very unintimidating environment mm-hmm. we're not committed to sitting there all night at a fancy dinner where it would take two hours if we don't like each other we can go yeah or you know if and it won't end up costing you 150 dollars or more to take me on a date let me tell you about something and then i'm not saying this to get you to respond to what i'm saying so much but to maybe spark this internally with you too, is that I realized this year that I am done jumping through hoops. Like, you know, you go on, you know, like you could be like Tom Hanks in a relationship, the world's greatest lover, tons of therapy in your background so that you know how to conflict resolve peacefully. You can be romantic, you can do flowers, you can do whatever. You can even have enough money but at some point, it's never enough. This is the phrase that goes in my head a lot with dating, which is nothing is ever enough. You give somebody everything and then they immediately go, well, I wonder if I can get more from this person or extra from someone else. Like people just become so spoiled. Now, I had this therapy uh, therapist some years ago and he was not a socialist, but he was like, Doug, what you're dealing with, because we were talking about this a long time ago, and he would go, Doug, what you're dealing with is like pe- pe- women especially who are married, uh, who were raised in America. And I go, what do you mean? And he go, if you date women who were raised in other cultures, they don't make everything a transaction. No. And they don't punish you because you don't take the garbage. They won't go like, oh, you didn't take the garbage out. Therefore, 
I'm not going to have sex with this guy. Because women in other cultures go, you didn't put, take the garbage out, and they get upset with you. And then they go, but I have sex needs, so let's have sex. Now, I've had relationships with people who were raised in other countries, and this comports with what he said 100%, where women who were raised in other countries just aren't punishing about things they don't like. They don't punish as much. And then, this is probably true with men too. I'm not trying to pick on women or anything. I'm just saying like in my experience, the people I've dated, hey butters, hey butters. <laughs> Good boy. Um, yeah, so I think there is something that goes on where you can jump through all these hoops and it's never enough. I just keep thinking like, man, I'm so tired of jumping. Like, I tried to work out all the time to have a perfect body. I get lots of compliments about my looks. I am the world's greatest writer. I am celebrated. I have a reputation. I have my own house. I'm, I can be romantic. I'm generally, usually very sentimentally romantic. I'm strong, I'm a strong person, you know? And none of this eventually ends up mattering because every relationship gets to some point where I'm taken for granted or taken advantage of or something. But then if you think it's never enough, that's a that's living in a mentality of lack. That's currently. Like, I didn't think this exact it's never enough until this year. But who have you been going on dates with? I mean, 33 different people this year. That's a lot of different types. I know, but the relationships that you've had have been fairly similar in personality? Most of the people I've been in relationships with were strong, independent, college-educated, liberal women. There you go. What does that mean? That means that, again, these are people that, okay, from the perspective of a person who is, fits that criteria for the most part, <laughs> right? I will tell you that as we get, and, and it, it, isn't, it doesn't start off that way, but what happens is that we, let's say in college, let's say beyond college, let's say two relationships ago, let's say into our 40s, I don't know what it's like to be in my 50s yet, but let's say... 30 to 50. We've had to deal with so much shit and we've had so many people that were not you also doing yeah. the same thing to us mm -hmm. that now other people are doing to you, which is taking advantage, taking what they can get, maybe using us for sex, maybe using us to pay their bills, maybe using us for emotional support or, you know, for whatever the hell they can get from us. We've had that too for a long time. Yeah. So what happens is you get less tolerant of stupid shit. Right. And you shouldn't with a new person because it's not the same shit that you're getting from oh, the old person. This is what person. we were talking about beforehand, about yes. seeing a, everybody as a new person. Correct. Which is what my therapist used to go. He would go, Doug, this new person's not the old person. They're not going to be the... You can't treat everybody like they have the same problems. No. no, and they don't. They do not. So when you say it's never enough, I mean, you went out with 33 people. How many of them wanted to have a relationship with you? Oh, maybe two or three. And like real it. relationships. And you did it. Or chemistry wasn't there, or they were really dumb or something. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever gone out with a really, 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 really dumb person? Of course. What's that like for you? <laughs> it doesn't last longer than like one or two dates. That oh my God, you do two dates with a dumb person. Good for you. Oh, well, because I don't, I want to believe. Like I'm a hopeful person. I, know, I hope you're not too. as dumb as you portrayed yourself the first time. <sighs> so I give you one more chance, and then when you're equally as dumb, then we're done. I've stayed in relationships with exactly three dumb people the first one was a long time ago and that one only lasted for a couple of weeks and the minute that i realized oh i'm giving this person way too much benefit of the doubt i literally hung up on them while i was driving and I never talked to them again and then the second one i got i into a real relationship with some years later and then the third one i got into a pretty good relationship pretty terrible relationship with and was very dumb and then i just stayed in it because i was i felt like i feel in retrospect i was lonely and desperate people get into relationships for that reason all the time <sighs> that's what i'm on the guard for even more than other people the thing i'm most angry about in the world is not i'm not really that angry but if i get upset about anything with dating it's always with myself it's never with it's not really with other people no if i sat here i could sit here and complain about people all day long but the person i would complain about the most is me of course for just staying in relationships that didn't i shouldn't have been in and they shouldn't have been in either mm -hmm. 
you know? Mm-hmm. How many times have you been in relationships with someone where they were like, they treated you like crap so that you would break up with them? And how many times have you done that to somebody? I've never done that to anyone, but oh, one person did that to me. Oh, they did? Mm-hmm. What, what, what did they do? Um, stop showing up. Like, just made excuses and would see me, but then wouldn't see me, but then wouldn't, like, wouldn't make time eventually. Yeah. Because they were, it was a passive aggressive thing because it was, they thought I was underperforming in one way or another in the relationship. Uh-huh. So they just sort of, instead of talking to me about that, they decided to just not show up for me in yeah. any way anymore. Right. So it got to the point where I was like, are you going to show up? Like, what's the deal? I mean, I know you're busy or what, and work was always an excuse. Kids were always an excuse. Like, it was always an excuse as to why you couldn't show up anymore. But I'm yeah. like, you just showed up for me for eight months in a row, and all of a sudden, the last six, you're just, like, not available? Oh, my God, you hung in there for another six. Well. Because this is the sunk, are you familiar with the sunk cost fallacy? Have you ever heard of this? Well, here's what I did, Like, though. you put in so much effort and time and whatever, and you're like, well, I can't just quit this TV show or this person because I've got so much invested. I have so much invested, but at the same time, sometimes people get into a place where they become complacent. If they're in a relationship where they're comfortable, they become complacent sometimes. So I always give people time to... Oh, because they're going through a phase, maybe. They might be going through a phase. So I will tell them. I I give fair warning. Yeah. I'm noticing this is, this is changing. This is changing negatively. Oh, you tell them? Yes. That's of good. Of course I do. That's good. I, if I don't tell them and then I just walk, then I'm our friend. Yeah. Uh, instead of talking about what the issues are, I just bail, yeah. which is really unfair and not cool to right. do to anyone. Yeah. So I will talk t- about it and I will say, hey, I've noticed this is happening and I'm really, I'm not happy right now. I'm assuming you're not happy right now. There are now. a lot of people that, you're good. There are a lot of people that don't make those conversations happen. Well, you have to have those tough conversations in a relationship. You have yeah. to. Or unless you don't care if it leaves or not, if the relationship goes bye-bye. Well, a lot of people, did, I mean, I couldn't have those relationships until I started therapy in my early 30s. I mean, here I am, a professional communicator, award-winning journalist, and I was really I had a problem telling people that I was in relationships with what my problems were. And then once I got over that, I've been, you know, the George Washington of, you know, relationship conversations. Well, and which just makes important. it's good and bad because then you have these conversations with people, and the other people don't. The other people, a lot of times, don't have the therapy tools or the communication tools to have that conversation back with you. No, they do not. That's the problem. Most of them don't. And then you're on two different levels. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, I've got to shepherd this person through emotional conversations, which is fine. No, it isn't. But they, a lot of times people don't even know how to begin this shit. And then if you start it, then their heartbeats are racing and they're like, oh my God, I have to talk about my feelings. Or they just get defensive. You know, if you bring up an issue within their relationship, the first thing they do is shut you down. Because they don't want to talk about it, yeah. at least from my experience. Or they'll go, I've also had... Or they throw it back at you, what their problem with you is. I, I've had several where they go, um, you know, uh, they go, you're right, I'll change. They just want to end the conversation. Placate. Yeah. Yeah, so they just placate you. That's- this girl would go, you're right, I'm so sorry, I'll change. And then literally, like, sometimes eight minutes later... Back to the old behavior. Would do something on purpose to try to make me her enemy. Mm-hmm. And then I could never figure out, like, why does this person want to make me their enemy? Oh, my God. I, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm going to tell you this. So I kept thinking, like, why does this girl want to make me her enemy every day? Why, why, why? Why Test. is this her thing? That's what I kept thinking. And then I was on Amazon looking at books and shit because I'm writing these books. So I was looking at the categories. And then I saw like one of the big categories that's selling. Not that I want to write exactly what's selling. But I was just looking at what's popular. And one of the top two most popular books that women read on Amazon, because most readers are women now because men have forgotten how to read, I guess, is that um, so the first or second category for women now is called Enemy to Friend. So there's, and and then I was watching this old rom-com two nights ago, and it's a movie I love, and I was like, oh my God, this is an enemy to friend story, where the man and the woman are clashing for the first third of the movie, then they have, in the second third of the movie, they have to get along for the sake of something, and then by the third third of the movie, they're in love, and they get married. Yep. Get married. And that, that's called, that, that 
um, it's genre is called enemy to friend, and it's a thing yeah. that women seek. Mm-hmm. And Sometimes I'm like, they want the conflict in the beginning. What the fuck? I can't believe I'm this old, mm-hmm. and I'm just learning that this is something that women are into making men their enemies. And it's it's still a test though, because when I meet you and we have conflict, I'm and you are still around for the conflict. That's the test. Because if we have conflict in the beginning and we're just consistently talking shit to each other for a while, and eventually we get through that, and then we're neutral, you know, we're not, treat- maybe we work as a team. Like, have you ever seen the movie The Cutting Edge about oh, ice skating? No. Perfect example of that. This is a hockey player and a figure skater, and they come together because the- she needs a partner for, for... Oh, I saw that. Yes. That. I saw that cheesy-ass thing. Terrible. I mean, Yeah. I like rom-coms, so of course I like it. It's that. amazing. So, but they get to at the beginning, they're just at each other all the time, just at each other. She's giving him shit, Uh he's giving her shit. Like, they're just, and in the middle, they start to come, they become more of a team. They start to get along better. They start to actually, you know, blend their respective talents together and create this, you know, program of, you know, ice skating that they're going to compete with and blah, blah, blah. And in the end, of course, their whole conflict was because they actually were attracted to each other and I don't know they didn't know what to do with it I don't know so but yeah people people do that all the time but it's still a test when I'm attracted to someone I don't test them of course because you're secure why (laughs) okay so you're saying that people do this because they're insecure correct what are they insecure about that the person's not into them maybe yeah like or just generally not a secure person you're good this person is not they want to test you and make sure you're as interested in them as they might be in you. So they push you and they oh, poke you. Oh, you know how you can tell you. is by going like, hey, I like you. Do you, you want to go on a date? Maybe do some kissing? That's They could also try that. <laughs> they could. They could. But it's not as it's not as drama-filled. It doesn't make movies. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why do people want the drama in real life? But I don't know. When you can answer that question, you'll be a billionaire. Uh, because we all like it. This is the most frustrating thing to me. I am in the this group that I will... It's on Facebook, and I joined it because I thought it was interesting. And I'm not going to say what it's called, but it's about... It's a group for women, and it's about whether or not... Woman's dating the same guy as another woman. Oh, I'm familiar with this. Okay. I was dating someone who, while we were dating, she got on to that group so that she was like, I just want to see if people I know are on it. And I was like, if she's trying to figure out if I'm cheating, I'm the last person in the world. You're not on cheat. it. I already looked. No, of course not. Um, I would but, never cheated on anybody. But you can look. And anyway, so what I've noticed about this group, though, it's very interesting. Because as I go down the list of all these women posting these comments, there's a picture of a guy. And I hate to say this because I'm not trying to be stereotypical. Okay. But he looks like a douche. Yeah. From the very beginning. Uh-huh. And then all the comments about what he did and how terrible he was and everything just just confirms it. Slick back hair. It, just multiple multiple douchery Necklaces, qualities. Rings. Multiple douche qualities. Hair. You, Burt Reynolds hair. Most more than anything, expression on his face. Oh yeah, what's you the expression? Can tell. <laughs> like a little, oh, like he's cock of the walk or some shit. Yes. Yeah. Just by the expression on his face. No matter what he's wearing, no matter what he looks like, if he's got this expression on his face, he's most likely a douche. Because <laughs> if you can make that expression and give it to women on like a dating app or wherever they're meeting these people, he's a fucking douche. I'm a huge uh, I, I believe the whole, you know, thing that you can't judge a book by his cover However, or cliches. I like cliches because normally they're very true. Cliches. Most of the time. But that's why you can cliches. definitely judge most books by their cover. Yeah, you can. Including people's mm-hmm. faces on dating apps. I was, man, there was this one girl on this dating app. Um, the last time I was on dating apps, a few weeks ago, I took them off my phone. I just can't right now. So I, there was this woman and she was hot and she was coming after me and the whole thing. And then I read her bio and it was like, she goes, um, you can't be this, and you can't be this, and you can't be this, and you can't be that. And I was like, and then she wasn't smiling in any of her photos. And I know there's Bitter. a whole thing with women that are like, no one's gonna tell me how to smile. All right, okay, that's fine. But I like, I'm a cheerleader. But I like, I bitter. want another cheerleader. You look bitter though. 
You look bitter, party boy. And then also that bio was just like, I was like, what? About what do, you, what do you want, though? Like, yeah. it's nice to put all the things you don't. And, you know, what was not there was <laughs> what she could bring to a relationship. No, of course. Like when I was, <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, there was this uh, girl in my high school class, one of my classes, I think it was college, and she had this list, a piece of paper, and she had written 25 things she wanted from a man. It was like, number three was like, a really gives really good massages, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of list that women, a lot of girls would make in the old days. And then she showed it to me, and we weren't dating or anything. She was a friend. And then I looked at it, and I looked right at her, and I go, where's your list of the things that you're bringing to your mate? And she goes, well, that's not what this is about. <laughs> and I go, okay. <laughs> I mean, if you want to make an internal list for yourself of what you want your a person to have for you, that's fine. But when you're putting it on a, like a social media platform, like a dating app, you probably should uh, talk a little bit about what you do. I mean, how you are. My whenever I put anything on dating apps, it's always this is what I can bring, and then that works. But you know what really worked for me the most on a dating app was I had a bio once. <laughs> I read it to a buddy of mine who was like, "That's the best bio I've ever heard," and it was and it started with like something to the effect of. If I've swiped right on you, then uh, you're, that means that you're like one of the only people I've swiped right on. I almost never swipe right on. I never accept anybody. I'm very picky. Man, that drove women out of their minds. The way I had written it was nice. Pick me, pick me. Oh my God, the pick me's were incredible. I got lots of dates that way. I bet you did. Yeah. But because it gives you. You feel special before you even met the guy. You said this thing at the beginning of all this where you were like the word value, you know. I have a, I'm going to create an anti-value movement because everybody's like, what's your value to me? You know, and like as somebody that's a sentimental romantic, I'm like, if you see somebody and you fall in love with somebody. Like I got married to a woman I fell in love with at first sight. You know, I got engaged again after her to someone I fell in love with at first sight. You know? And as it turned out, I was incredibly compatible with each of those people. Totally lucky. I fell in love with a different woman in, uh, you know, some years ago at first sight. And we were not compatible, so we only had sex a few times or whatever. And then that was that, you know. And so I was like, no, this is not going to work. And she was like, no, this is not going to work. And I was like, oh, this is great. We can be friends. So that worked out. But what I'm saying is, like, I think that there's this... I use value from the perspective of valuing self. I'm not talking about value, what value you bring to me. Oh, I like this. I'm talking about valuing yourself. I love this. I love this. Valuing yourself, which I will say, go back to this group, this Facebook group, and I'm going down the line. Yeah, is he a cheater or not? Yeah, and I'm like, all of these guys are cheaters, A. Yeah, it's called, am I dating the same guy or whatever? Yes. And so (laughs) here's, here's what I have realized about that group is that uh, most likely, yes, there's a lot of people dating the same guy. But secondly, um, people are sticking in there way too long with people that they obviously already suspect are idiots and they're still there asking other women to verify this or not. If you suspect him, you're getting some sort of a download from your intuition and you need to listen to that. Because if you didn't, if he was providing for you, for your needs, if your needs were being met, if you were feeling valued by someone, you would never think to look him up on this stupid group. I couldn't agree more. So that's about your valuing yourself. You do not value yourself if you really genuinely think that your guy is going to show up in this group. My therapist 15 years ago or so, I said, I was trying to figure some puzzle out with some person I was dating. And he goes, Doug, it doesn't matter. I go, what? He goes, it has, it makes no difference. Watch your thumb on that thing. I go, um, he goes, it makes no difference what the what your lover's motivation is. It doesn't matter what's really happening inside of her head. What matters is how she's treating you. Correct. Actions, not words. Mm-hmm. How do you feel when you're with her? Uh-huh. How does that person make you feel? How do they treat you? What priority are you in her life? Exactly. But you know? this is my point because all of these people are obviously feeling insecure for some reason. So why are you feeling insecure? Whether or not this person is cheating on you, there is something that is happening 
that is making you feel like, oh, they might be, or you wouldn't be here. So if you're even feeling that way, you need to look at that, not what they're doing, because I don't care what they're doing. If they are cheating or if they aren't cheating, the bottom line is something is telling you yeah. that your needs are not being met. So you're looking to this place for someone to confirm why. Yeah. Okay, so here's my question. My question is, all right, okay, so if you're going to put a list of things that, here's, okay, so you want to make a list. Let's make a list of what a person should look for in a relationship. Number one to me is, and I'm not saying, I'm not dictating, I'm asking you for your list. To me, the number one thing in a relationship is how they treat you. Or, you know, I mean, I'm assuming that you're compatible and you have chemistry and all that right? Which is a big assumption, I know. Mm -hmm. But once you're in a relationship, to me, the everyday thing is how does this, how are we treating each other? Mm -hmm. Are we respecting each other? And that kind of, to me, that's the number one thing. What is your number one thing? Well, yeah, you need to it's, look just, for? it's just how, how are, how are we both showing up? Yeah. How is this person, is this person, do I feel like do I feel like if I don't hear from this person for a couple hours, do I feel like there's something wrong? Do I feel like, how do I feel when this person isn't around? How about that? That's a big one for me because if I am constantly paranoid or insecure when you are not around, that means there's something that's happening in this relationship. Oh, that's interesting. Where I don't feel like, yeah. I don't feel safe. That's a great question. How do I feel about life or our relationship when they're not in my in my space. In my space. Yeah, that's interesting because I've had a few. I would say the worst relationships in my life when we were not in the same space. I got like, what the fuck are they doing right now? Why aren't they responding to my texts? I was dating this one dipshit and that I would go, hey, I texted you, you didn't text back, and they're like, oh, I'm so busy. I was so busy at work. And then like an hour later, that person was like, oh man, when I was at work today, I just had nothing to do all day. Right. It was like they forgot what they told me earlier. Mm -hmm. Like I just sat and stared at the computer and pretended to work all day. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, oh, and then my text just sat there on your phone next to you. you and know? don't pretend like you didn't read it. Yes, you, did. <laughs> you just chose not to respond at that moment because you didn't feel like it. So that's, I don't yeah. want to be, I don't feel like responding to you. That is a big no-no. Yeah. If, if huge you red feel, flag. Huge red flag. If you feel nonchalant or just kind of, you don't feel really the need to respond all the time to yeah. me, or you don't feel like you really need to make plans with me, like I have to do that effort, that's no. That's an absolute no. We're, we are incompatible uh -huh. and we are not going to work. Yeah. I need you to show up for me the way that I show up for you. And my energy will match your energy. That's my number one thing. We need to match. If we don't match, and it could be that you're real fucking needy and I'm not. If you don't, if if you're needy and I'm not needy, we're going to have a problem. I'm super needy. No, it's really not. good that you and I never got in a relationship because <laughs> you'd be like, get off of me. Uh, <laughs> go away. No, but if you can, depending on where you are in a relationship though, those things can be, you can, you can figure that out. But why are you needy? It's because you've never been in a relationship with someone that actually met all of your fucking needs. Well, my my therapist will tell you I'm needy because my mom and dad abandoned me as a child. Maybe so that's where I have it began. A, I have a God-sized mommy hole in the middle of my heart. <laughs> sure, but how you show that's up why I'm needy. That might be part of it. But if you're needy with other adult females that have nothing to do with your parents, hopefully they're not trying to make them become your parents. I mean, staying in the place said that every woman I go out with becomes my mother in the end. Well, that was that great song that Sting did. When, when Sting is was that good. true? Every woman I go out with becomes my mother in the end. It's a good song. Um, Do you find that to be true? I find that when I've dated women, women turn me into their dad. This is what I want to say. This is what I'm going to say. I've said this a lot this year to various women, friends of mine, because while they're dating. So when I go out with a woman, it is always presents itself in a sort of neutral way, like a sort of like, hey, we're equals, you know. 
And then once you get into the relationship, then they want a domineering man, most of them. All but maybe one in the world. And then, so they are like, oh, this is something you and I talked about. So then in the real world, outside of the house, women are like, I want to be strong. And I want to be seen as strong. And then, I'm not talking about you, but like women I've dated, as soon as they're naked, they're like, hold me down, stick a pillow over my head, um, punch me. <laughs> I won't punch anybody. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, women have been very upset that I like won't punch them and stuff. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to do that. You know, of course, they want their hair pulled and they want to be choked and all that. Okay, that's light stuff at this point. And then um, they just, and a lot of them want to be demeaned and all that shit. And then as soon as they're back out in the world, they're like, I'm a badass bitch. You know, it's like this duality. It's like you can't, they don't, these two, I mean, I guess it used to be called the Madonna whore thing. But now it's different. Now it's like the Mary Tyler Moore degraded Fifty Shades of Grey person. You know, or something. I'm not sure what. Well, men, same. I mean, m most of the time, men, the men who hire dominatrixes to come in and yeah. defile them yeah. are CEOs right. and people with lots of power. Yeah. But that's because that's not what they get in their daily life. Yeah. So they want the they opposite. They want to let go. And they just want the opposite. It's, they, the, freedom of, it's the freedom of choice. That's yeah. what the story of O is about. She, she's, in the story of O, she's a, a, a submissive. And the reason is, is because she doesn't have to make any choices. And she's like, she goes, the freedom of having to make choices. That's the whole theme of that whole fucking S&M thing, you know? Oh, exactly. But the other thing I've been saying to women this year is I go like, you know, I get into relationships with women and then they all turn me into their dad. Now, here's the thing. The question then becomes... That's because maybe their dad didn't give them enough emotional support as a child. So now they're looking for you to give it because that's what you do. Or too much. So like if you ask a woman on a date, like if I'm on a first date with a woman, I always go, what's your relationship with your father? <laughs> oh, and, then, and then I get to the real question. That's not the real question. <clears throat> the real question is, how do you want to treat your father? So I've dated all these women that treat me the way they want to treat their father. Not the way they treat their father, the way they want to. So if they love their dad then they treat me great. And if they hate their dad, then they treat me bad. The end. It's a very, I don't mean to be make it too simple, and I'm not saying it's all women it's, or anything like that. I'm talking about my dating history with the very specific subset of people in my past. Which would make sense because people who have piss poor relationships with their father have piss poor relationships with men their whole lives. Because that's where it starts. Yeah. And the people that don't, the people who had a great relationship, who have great relationships with their fathers, learn how to actually have a healthy connection with them. But I bet you, if you thought about your exes, I bet you, you would find that a lot of men treated you the way they wanted to treat their mom. I have or no their sister. idea. Yeah. Or their sister or I somebody, know. somebody that is very important to them in their life and their past. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess if I look at it, but I haven't been, I've not really, the long-term relationships that I've had were not dysfunctional. They never ended, you know, based on, there they was no cheating. You didn't have any dysfunctional relationships? No, you've had one or two. I only had one right out of high school. Right, right. It was my first one. That's great that you learned quickly. Yeah, but it set the tone of my mistrust. I mean, me too. My, you know, the one that took my virginity was, you know cheating on me there all of a sudden at the end because she was seven years older than me and i was 17 so i was literally underage the one who took my virginity was a rapist oh great yeah. oh that's fantastic yeah that's great that was my <laughs> first sexual experience awesome so uh yeah no i get it Starting i've had a lot of women in my past go oh you know uh i had this person abuse me sexually and this person and rape and stuff and i've yet to have a single male friend go hey you know this one time i raped a girl <laughs> you know. Well, I but don't I, think. You, well, but you or somebody else told me this year. Like, I don't think maybe it was somebody else said. I don't think the guys know thought it was rape. A lot of guys think that it's consensual or something. You know. How many knows does it take before it isn't? I mean, uh, only I don't one in my book. I don't progress past maybe. <laughs> right, right. But I'm thinking like if they don't, then they're just fooling themselves. I want an enthusiastic. Yes. I don't even want to maybe. Yeah, exactly. Well, this was a definite no. 
So if he didn't believe that it was rape, then obviously he is completely deluded. Oh, I believe that you were, yeah, for sure. No, I know you do, I'm but I'm saying, saying I don't know that I, if he doesn't believe that it was that, then he is even more delusional than I thought. Uh-huh. But either way. when the, You know, whenever, and there's something in the news where, you know, um, somebody gets caught or something, and then it gets into the news cycle. I'm always like, there's so many men right now watching this news going like, oh, please let me just ride this one out and nobody comes at me the way that they're coming at this guy, you know? But see, you were probably taught from an early age or discovered yourself that when a woman is having sex with you and she says, stop or no, I mean, I was, stop. I mean, my character is, if anybody, if your dog said stop petting me, I would stop petting Correct. Me. I just listened to people. I went out with this girl... Years but ago. you wouldn't want to overpower anyone or anything in order to do what you want to do. No. Because you're not an asshole. No, no, I like but consensual a people, fun. A lot of people are assholes. Yeah. If we didn't discover that during this hashtag MeToo movement. Yeah. We've discovered a lot of people are but, assholes. You know, meanwhile in Las Vegas, you know, the MeToo movement took Steve Wynn and who else? Like nobody. I mean, there are so many stories I know about so many men in this town, and you probably do too. Mm -hmm. And everybody just got away with it scot free. And then I know not people up until this year, I knew some people that were just look, turning a blind eye to people that they knew very well and treated very well, even though they knew that those people were you know, had um, done certain criminal behavior things. And it's like, it's a very weird town where, you know, everybody just this kind of town, turns though, a blind eye to all this That's because, shit. like, our, our, I mean, think about, like, Let's go along Vegas. to get a long town, you know. Well, it's also, like, what are, what are we famous for? Well, uh, cocktail Sin. waitresses. Sin City. Sin City, but we've always had cocktail waitresses. We've always objectified women in this town. We've always done it. It's been part of our culture. Yeah is to put women in scant, you know, skimpy clothes and have them serve you a drink. Or, you know, we have a huge amount of strip clubs in this town where you can go in and see however much you want to see naked, sure. some, sometimes more than others. Yeah. Sex is a huge part of this town. Right. And objectification is a huge part of this town. And both men and women, we got a bunch of male strip clubs here too. Sure. And man shows, we got Thunder from Down Under, we got all their little yeah. subsidiary bullshit shows. <laughs> I've seen two of those shows. And the, but it's They're all fun. the same. It, it's fun, but it's like we we make a joke and we think it's entertainment when we objectify people. It's part of our culture. Yeah, yeah. So of course, there, what do you think comes along with that? Of course, you have people that are managers, owners of casinos, and people like that that will then take advantage of that situation. People in journalism. And people in journalism as well, because they're introduced to a lot of these people sometimes, mm -hmm. and they go, oh well, that's fair game to right. me. Right. So if you're a pig, you're a pig, and you've always been a pig, probably. Yeah. So you know. But now people are getting called out for being a pig. And it's phenomenal to me because it's been going on for a long time. Yeah. And I think here probably more than other places because they get away with it here. Because, you know, every casino has 50 cocktail waitresses. Yeah. And I feel like the cocktail server outfits have gotten... A little less. They sexy. have. It seems like they have. They over used the to days. have a lot of ass showing, and now they, they seem to have less. Ass. Occasionally, you see some ass, mm -hmm. but not as much as. Not the as old bad days. as it once was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say not as good as the old days. And those poor girls, <laughs> they work really hard actually, and they get basically yeah. sexually harassed every day that they show up. I mean, up. they make good money to be. Not as much as they once did. Objectified. But yes. I'm not trying to justify No, anything. no, no, but I know that, but... But, I mean, there are a lot of people that... I know a lot of people... I've in, I mean, I've interviewed a lot of sex workers. I think that the... I think the thing that people uh, forget is that a lot of people that do cocktailing and sex work prefer it. No, I'm not saying they don't like their job. They do, and they, they make want good it. money when they want to They want to be it. objectified. I was... Um, I used to go to, to the Palomino Club, the all-new one, and... Uh, and I would go see this guy that worked there. You know, I would walk in, I'd go find this guy that I knew was one of the manager guys there. And he was dating this girl. And then she had a baby, and then she came back. And I, I was, happened to be there when she came back to strip again. And I go, oh, you're going to strip it tonight. And she goes, yeah, I missed it. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, I just miss the power, the, the, power, the validation, people looking at me so I know that I'm beautiful and the whole thing. She missed it while she was pregnant. Well... But there's a reason that people go into that profession too, and it isn't because they're. I mean, there's a reason people go into lots of stuff. Yeah. But, but just a lot because of times, the reason is 
good or bad, the thing is, is that the solution works for them. Does it? How many of them are sober? Oh, I was sober. I was a sex worker. I was a sober sex worker, sex worker when I was a teenager. But are you still one? No, but I would do it in a heartbeat if I could make $5,000 a day. Do you think that's much how, how much they're making these days? I mean, I would make, I'm definitely worth 5000 You're you worth are. way more. You could get $25,000 a weekend probably. And you know why I don't? Because you um, value yourself. <laughs> so what are you trying to say about them? You just said they no, I'm do just it joking. I'm joking. It. I value myself. Right. But the thing is that... I think here's the deal. All right. So this is what I want to talk about with sex work. Is that in sexuality and all this bullshit. Is that there are people like me who... The first time I ever had an orgasm was the first time I felt alive. You know, before that I had good moments. No, I felt alive. But it was the first time I was like, oh, this is my special purpose. This is what I was put on the earth for, you know? And so I think I've also, you know, there are people that when they have orgasms, have a different kind of orgasm than other people. This is something no one ever talks about ever. But there, I had a guy tell me during quarantine, he goes, uh, he went and he hooked up with some guy and he got really high beforehand. And I go, was it good? He goes, it was amazing. I had a full body orgasm. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, it was like, you know, every molecule of my body was this and that and blah. And I go, you mean like every single orgasm I've ever had in my entire life? You just had one and you're 50? So I think there's a thing that we don't talk about with sexuality, with sex work and people that aren't in sex work. I mean, I've been with people who have an orgasm every eight seconds for like an hour and a half. You know, they're just, everybody's got a different thing with sexuality. So a lot of the people that are in sex work, they're not doing it just because they had some weird background. They were born with a weird, like me, with a very strange central nervous system. But those are people that you're talking about, like porn stars, right? I mean, porn stars, strippers. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the majority of strippers and or prostitutes are doing it because they have to do it, not or because they don't believe they have any other skills. Easy way to make a lot of money. Right. And they don't have a hang-up about the sex. No, but why don't they? Because a lot of them have trauma. Okay, this is what I'm trying to tell you, is that there are people like me and a lot of people in the sex work who, like, I've got friends who are foodies, and all they want to do is cook all day. And then there are people that are sexies, and all we want to do is have sex all day. Yes. It's our thing. I it's not it. any. It's not necessarily rooted in some kind of horrible sexual trauma when we were eight. It doesn't have to be a sexual like trauma. We are, a lot of us were born with this very peculiar central nervous system so that like when I, like my therapist told me I have a, um, a, a word basically meaning like a sexual sensual, sensory thing. So like to me, when I touch surfaces, when I experience the world, sense, the senses of the world, I experience senses differently than other people. A lot heavier. A lot heavier. There was a girl who, there was a woman, I should say, who was a cocktail waitress. And she was dating a friend of mine about 11 years ago. And he goes, I want you to, my friend goes, hey, I want you to meet my uh, girlfriend. And I go, okay. And then, so we went to this bar. And then it was a good bar, expensive. And she comes up. And then we were chit-chatting. And I didn't know this thing about her. And then he goes, hey, by the way, she um, has an orgasm if you just hug her. And I go, that's not possible. And he goes, it's possible. And this is like people that have like different central nervous systems. I understand, but there's a lot of sex workers that don't have that. that yeah, that uh, well, there's a lot that just want the money. They want the money, but why? Why do they want to make it that way? Because it's fast and it's a lot, right? But at the same time, though, there's a lot of them that do that because they don't think they have skills to do anything else. Because they were, they were raised in a shitty environment with shitty people who basically might have abused them in that way or at least told them that nothing that you do is ever good enough for anything, so you might as well just go sell your body. And that's what they do. I mean, it can happen that way. I've known plenty of people who were either sex workers or... You know, near it. I've known who a were sex from One. who were from you know just middle class families, no abuse, nothing. They just you know they just wanted to do it. And that's the minority. I don't I don't know. I think it's probably the minority. I don't know. I've interviewed you know a lot, but I'm sure you have. 
but I'm pretty sure that's the minority. Because if unless you are really choosing this like as an adult, you're 22 years old and you go, you know what? I don't really want to do. I don't know what I want to do, but I love having sex. Yeah. I love the way that makes me feel, and I think I really want to get into like adult film. Yeah. Okay. By by no means do I think there's anything wrong with being a sex worker. By I do not judge those people. I do not have any sort of disdain for no, them. No, I know that. But what I'm saying is, I don't. I think a lot of them, like I know a sex worker. She's been a prostitute her whole life, and boy, is her situation fucked up. Her dad molested her. Dang. Her dad's friends molested her. She grew up in a very toxic, terrible environment, and this was her value. Her self value was so low that this was all she ever thought she could do. Now she's finally in her 50s because she's aging out, obviously, trying to do other things and getting, um, I don't know what she's doing now, but something legitimate, because she can't do this anymore because she's aging out and people aren't going to pay her a lot of money when she's in her 50s. Right. So. I mean, she could if she wanted to become a dom. She wanted to be a dominatrix or something. Even then, though, like, people expect their doms to. I mean, she would be doming 70-year-olds, probably. Right. <laughs> oh, I got a good question for you. Yeah. But I'm really good at like, you know, chatting people up in like uh, TJ Maxx and Target and, um, you know, these kind of places. You know. Oh, meeting girls. Trader that way? Joe's. I mean, you can talk to. Any, I talk to all strangers of any gender. You know, because I'm a cheerleader for life. So I'm like, so I'm not always trying to pick people up. If I go to my local grocery store, I'll talk to eight people while I'm in there. I talk to people too. I mean, yeah. generally speaking, I do. Okay, so like, yeah. for me, when guys are like, "What do I do about? I'm newly single. What should I do?" I'm like, go to TJ Maxx, find, look. When you see someone you like, just walk up. Don't be creepy, and then just pick up what's next to them and go like, "Hey, excuse me, can I ask you a question?" And they're always gonna go, "Sure." And then you go, "What do you think about this ladle? Like, what's the difference between this ladle and that ladle?" And it's not super tricky or whatever. But the thing I've found is, like, people go, I'm in a safe environment. It's brightly lighted. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to happen. They don't know who I am. Nobody's drunk. I don't have any makeup right now. So if they find me attractive, oh, my God, that's amazing because I don't have any makeup on. I'm at TJ Maxx mm-hmm. on a Friday night. especially. If you really want to find the truly desperate, TJ Maxx, pillow aisle, <laughs> comforter aisle <laughs> at, like, 8 o'clock. These are women that have no plans. 8.30. Yeah. 8.30 at night at TJ Maxx, you'll find a girlfriend. So I'm so whenever guys are like whatever I go just go and they go what is your pickup line I'm like there's no pickup line you just talk to people like you like people you can do that anywhere if you go have exactly. buy yourself lunch at a restaurant yep go sit at the bar right order yourself a glass of wine and have a salad uh huh there will be men sitting next to you at the bar and if the bartender will talk to you and you strike up a conversation with him before you know it there is especially if you go to a place in the middle of a like business heavy area like a commercial yeah. area like Howard Hughes yeah go get lunch right at the bar by yourself somewhere in Howard Hughes in that whole complex somewhere in there I don't know there's a bunch mm-hmm. of places in there go eat lunch there and at the bar at the bar by yourself not a table not a table no one will approach you at a table always sit at the bar if you're at the bar chances are there will be a guy that is also coming to eat lunch doesn't have anybody to eat lunch with who will end up sitting at the bar next to you okay so if you're a guy or a girl especially you know when you're at home and you're like where can i go to meet someone right now you then you a bar at any restaurant get put on some good clothes yep no stains on your clothes. Nope. Do your hair. Do your makeup. <laughs> Guys, wear a fucking shirt. No tank top. Tucked in or not tucked in? Doesn't matter as long as it's not a, a shirt that's all messed up and wrinkled and stained. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> Bill Meyer. Oh. oh, my God. Exactly. It's okay, buddy. You agree? It's okay, buddy. You agree? You agree, huh? Long, long years ago, but, uh, Bill Maher said, he goes, Bill Maher goes, uh, men are always like, how do you get all these women? And and then I go, oh, you know, it's pretty easy. I just um, put on clothes that I bought recently, and they're good clothes, and they are ironed. And they're not, I don't wear like a shirt I bought eight years ago that has a cheese stain on it from TGF Fridays from three years ago. Mm-hmm. 
And then I get all the women. Now he also has money and fame. You also you just have to look put this together. Is, that's but it. that's all, he's got money and fame, so that works for him. But the other thing is that would work for, for, for a normal person. Yeah. And, and women are especially into clothes. Trim your hair. Don't have a nasty shit on the back of your neck. And then go to a fun. bar at a restaurant in a business a nice restaurant. district. Yeah, somewhere where there's a lot of people. You know, there's a lot of people. What if I want my next lover to be poor? Then I just go to Walmart. Well. Let me tell you something. The hottest people in Las Vegas are at this Walmart. That are, it's at like Decatur and it's right in the middle of town. It's like Decatur and Charleston or something. Whenever I've gone, I don't go there a lot, but whenever I go there, I'm like, oh my God, everybody's so hot. Well, there are certain areas of town where you can go and you will probably meet a lot. I mean, you, if you go to a place that's really like, even Summerlin, like you're going to find families. Like you go to Target on a Saturday morning, you're going to find nothing yeah, but families, right. right? I try to stay away from families. Right. So if you want to meet somebody, then you're going to go to Rustic House and go go during yeah. a game if you're a woman. Yeah. Go watch a That's a what I was getting game. at. That's what I was getting at. So I go where women like TJ Maxx, Target, Trader Joe's, anything that starts with a T, titties. So then I go to the titties places. Those are the three titties places. And <laughs> if I wanted to meet a guy, I guess I would go to a, a gym. <laughs> no, that's the thing though. It's harder to meet guys because a lot of times, if you even if you go to a bar to go like go like let's say Rustic House in Book Park, you go to the bar and you meet uh, and you have lunch or you have dinner or whatever by yourself. You sit at the bar. Guys will go there to watch games, but they're always with their other friends, so you're kind of limited. But sometimes single guys go there too. But can't Buffalo you just send, Wild Wings? Can't you just send the if a guy's with other guys? Can you just? Have a waitress. If you find a guy, like if a you note. look enough to see if you find a guy attractive, yeah, you could do that. But also, um, what about Lowe's and Home Depot? Absolutely, but don't go on a weekend because that's when guys that are married and have houses and kids go. Oh, you need to go during the week. This is helpful information. Yeah. Okay, so you want to go on a Lowe's on a during the week, like on a Tuesday what at time like of the day? noon. Daytime. Yeah, daytime. It's Tuesday at noon. Do you know? I saw this story years ago. It said that of it was a uh, some researchers did a or thing. Or after work, like five, because they probably need to work too. So you never know. Right. So I would do maybe like Tuesday at five o'clock. I saw this story years ago, five or six or ten years ago, and these researchers they asked they they um, befriended all these um, adulterers, people that cheat, and they said, where do you do it and when do you do it, and as it turns out, the number one time, the number one time for adultery is Tuesday lunch. Because people go to work, and then they make their plan for the next day at lunch. So, like, if you ever want to catch your significant other cheating, you hire a PI to follow them on Tuesday from morning till they get home. If you have to hire a PI. Especially right in the... You should already be getting divorced. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. All right, well, this is fun. Ha-ha, Dick. Ha-ha, Dick. <laughs>